0: Thank you for listening to the Reformation Bible Church podcast. We hope you are edified and encouraged by our ministry as you listen to our Gospel and Evangelism Sermon Series. For more sermons and resources, please visit the RBC website at www.rbcbakershield.org. Thank you once again and may the Lord bless you. We come before you as a body. I come before you, Lord, as your humble servant. May you use me for your honor and for your glory. May Your people receive the word tonight. May I speak your word with gentleness and respect. And may you do a mighty work in your people. May they leave here encouraged, but also challenged, Lord, to proclaim your name in every environment, in every setting. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Okay, so I want to do something. It's been eight weeks right? We're talking about the gospel and personal evangelism. Uh, Usually what pastor does is he gives you a running definition of the gospel, right? So what I want to do is I want to see if this eight weeks has paid off. So what is the gospel? Without, without, Without even looking at your notes, no notes, Arnold, no notes. No notes. No no okay. So who do we start with? God. God. Okay, we should all be in harmony with these. Okay? So who do we start with? God. Okay, what about God? He's holy? He's holy. Uh, wait wait wait, wait. Doreen? You're looking at your notes. Okay. Okay. Okay, good. Okay. Oh, good job. Okay, Sam. So and this is gonna be very awkward on the recording, so, um, so God is holy, what else, he's creator, this side is saying a lot, this side is not really saying anything, and then what else, judge, judge. okay, now what did God choose to do, create, okay, what, what did he create, he created man, but what else, all he did was create man, he created a universe, what else, everything, yeah, the what, Everything in the earth, but he created the earth first, right? He had to create the earth. Okay. Um, and then, and then what? Then he created man. Then he created man. Why did he create man? Did he need to create man? No. no? Why? He created God, he created man so man can glorify him. What else? Glorify him and multiply, but also, start to the be, bear his his fruit, and his, starts with an eye, image, right? Create a man to, okay, yeah, create a man to bear his image, right? And then, what happened there? God creates, there's a man, he also created a woman, right? Then what? Fall, okay? What happened there? Separation. But but what happened, though? How, how did separation happen? God gave a command and they broke it. Okay. 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 So God gave a commandment to Adam. Adam broke that commandment. That commandment was broken. As a result of that commandment broken, what happened? Separation. Separation. Okay. As a result of the fall, we now, because Adam was our representative... Okay, because he was our representative, uh, what happened to us? How how does Adam's fall? uh, We're born in sin. We're born in sin. Okay. Now what? Now where do we go? Jesus. Okay. So what, what do we need Jesus for? What do we need? Salvation. Okay, how does Jesus do that? Die on a cross, grace, Grace, atonement, okay, we're all saying the same things, kind of, but what does Jesus do when he comes to earth? Gives the gospel, gospel. okay, what else? Lives the perfect, sinless life, the life that Adam should have lived, right? Adam should have lived a life of obedience, but he failed, Christ comes, he doesn't fail in anything. Christ then goes to a cross, dies on the cross. What happens on the cross? Anyone know? Okay, he dies for our sins. He takes holy God and sinful men. He reconciles them back together, right? Okay, His, and then what happens? Then he's, <laughs> then he's resurrected. Okay, he goes back to heaven. And then, now, now but what's the good news? Okay. The Holy Spirit. Okay, that's good news. That's very, very good news. But how is it good news to the unbeliever? How is all of that good news? Or how is Christ's work good news? Now we can repent. Now we can repent. Okay. 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 All right. So the gospel we have is this. There's three parts of the gospel. God... Right? Then you go to man, and then it leads to Christ. OK? The good news of the gospel is that in spite of your sin, Christ has come, and he has died for those who he has known before the foundation of the world, and because of his sacrificial, uh, vicarious death on the cross. Now we have peace with God. Those who place their faith in Christ have peace with God. They are reconciled back to the Father. There's no more hostility. There's no more enmity between God and man. Okay? Next week, you will have another opportunity to say what the gospel is. So, that's the gospel. Okay? That's what we learned for the first three weeks of our series of the gospel and personal evangelism. We learned that, that, that after we, we know the gospel, what do we do? We share the gospel. We take this good news and we share it to the world. Okay. We consider the question of why evangelism. Our motivation for our evangelism should be obedience to God. It should be uh, our love for our neighbor. Our love to see lost souls, lost sheep come to Christ. And our last motivation should be our love for God. So the motivation for evangelism should be obedience to God, love for man, and your love for God. Okay? The following weeks we learn the importance of explaining the message of repentance, but also the cost of following Jesus Christ. Uh, Areas in my life, when I would evangelize, that would be so awkward because I would have a great conversation. And then I got to tell these people, well, you got to repent. And then also the cost of following Christ is uh, uh, you got to lose your life, sort of, in a sense. And last week we learned what evangelism isn't. Remember, evangelism isn't uh, rallies, per se. Um, Those could be helpful, but that's not necessarily evangelism. Um, evangelism is not just us getting together and, and passing food out. That's great, but that's not really evangelism. Evangelism is what? It's gospeling. It is going and telling the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, evangelism is not apologetics. Evangelism is sort of the, I use the analogy of an engine. So the gospel is the engine, and apologetics is sort of the nitrous. It, it, it sort of kickstarts uh, that, eva- that uh evangelism, that that gospel when someone asks you a question uh, concerning the faith. So let's say you've been here every Wednesday and you've heard every message. You know the gospel somewhat. You have a clear understanding of God's holiness, of man's depravity, of Jesus Christ's saving work. You know what evangelism isn't. You know that evangelism glorifies God. You know that that evangelism is is a command of God that should be obeyed by all of his followers, but you're still stuck at a crossroads. You know, all of these things intellectually, and maybe your heart is stirred up to go out and share, but some of you are still holding back because you hold yourself back. Because there are things inside of you that make you say, uh, maybe evangelism is not my thing to do. Maybe it's not my gift. Maybe evangelism is just is not what God has, has called me to do, per se. So the question we're going to answer tonight is, who should evangelize? Who should evangelize? Now, <clears throat> what are some of the, the characteristics that you embody me for example i am known or or what you would call i have an extrovert personality or somewhat extrovert personality uh, which means i'm i'm more social than others especially at at, at at well when i go to when i go to different places such as um, the mall Or maybe I'm eating at a restaurant. I'm not really social. But if I encounter someone, like at the job site, then I'll talk to them. Um, I'm somewhat of a good conversationalist. And please, I'm being humble on all these things. I'm just explaining what an introvert is, okay? Don't look at me like, oh my gosh. But I'm somewhat of a good conversationalist. Um, At times, that can be very awkward for me. Because the way I do that, the way I handle conversations is I ask questions. Sometimes those questions can get me in trouble. Uh, but I, I mean well in all of the questions that I ask. Uh, I'm never really nervous when talking to a stranger. I think my job has helped me with that. Talking to different people uh, and, and in an environment that I go into, um, I'm somewhat confident. And people will look at me and they'll say, well, you're a perfect candidate to go out and share the gospel. You, you can carry a conversation you 're okay with words, um, you 're not shy. but there are some who what we would call are introverts, and those people are naturally shy. Those are the people who don't really like to engage in conversation. Those are the people who might be a bad communicators. not all, but, but some. Those are the people that might have low self esteem about themselves. When answering the question of who should evangelize, what people tend to do first is they, they tend to examine themselves and they tend to see what they can do right and to see what they can do wrong. And based off of what they see in that examination, then they'll make a conclusion if they should go out and to evangelize. That's what I've found when talking to some of you and talking to fellow Christians. Some of us allow our limitations and what we cannot do to keep us back from what God has called all Christians to do. And that is to go out and that is to preach the gospel. So tonight I want to do a couple things. First is I want to give a defense of why you should preach the gospel. Why you should evangelize. The second thing I want to do is I want, to, I want us to look at a person in the Bible who we're going to find a lot of similarities with. Because like this person, we too make the same mistake when it comes to God's command. And number three is I want to look at, look at another person in the Bible who gave the right response to God's command when it was time. So let's look at a defense of why you should evangelize. Now, growing up, I thought only the people that should share their faith were the ones who were the so-called professionals. That's what I thought. Uh, I thought only pastors, uh, preachers, evangelists, uh, people on the choir, people who played on the music team, the ushers, the deacons, the women pastors. Those are the people who should share the gospel, because those are the only people who are equipped to share the gospel. And I think that's what most Christians believe about evangelism. I think most Christians believe that evangelism evangelism should only be reserved for those who've been to seminary, or those who know a little bit about the Bible, or those who know how to defend their faith really well. We call those apologists. And brothers and sisters, none of those things are true. It is not the pastor's job only to go evangelize. It's not the evangelist's job only to go and share the gospel. But we are all called to evangelize, from pastors down to laymen. All of us. We all play a part in spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. And I believe scripture is very clear on this subject. As you know, as you heard before, throughout these eight weeks, Matthew 28, the Great Commission, Jesus tells the disciples, and, and Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven has been given to me, on heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I've always looked at this verse, this, this passage, and I've said, well, that's not for us. That's just for the disciples. And many people think that that's just for the disciples, But if the command was only for the disciples, then why would Jesus promise to be with them to the end of the age? Shouldn't Shouldn't he have said, well, I am with you until you pass away? But no, he says, I am with you until the end of the age. So what Jesus has in mind is a longer extension of that commandment's lifetime. John Stott notes the commission is binding upon every member of the whole church. Every Christian is called to be a witness of Christ in particular, in the particular environment in which God has placed him. Further, although the public ministry of the word is a high office, private witness or personal evangelism has a value which, in some respects, surpasses even that of preaching since the message can be adapted more personally. So at times, what John Stott is saying, you're Private, personal evangelism can be up there with me standing behind this pulpit and preaching. Let me give you some more examples. 1 Peter 2, 9-10. through 10. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Where do we see evangelism in there? Well, the language of proclaiming the excellencies of him who called can be translated to proclaim the praises of him. That's evangelism. Proclaiming the praises of him is evangelism. Praising God publicly, displaying his glory, his kindness, his love, and sharing the gospel. Acts 8, verse 4, And those who were scattered went about preaching the word. We know Acts to be that great book of the apostles, the marvelous and tremendous work of God. But it doesn't just say that only the apostles scattered and went out, but it said all those who were scattered went out preaching the word. Acts 11, 19 through 21, Jesus tells, or tells all the disciples evangelize as they spread out from Jerusalem. So this is not just I know the gospel, and I keep it to myself. No, this is I know the gospel, and I go share it to others. That's the pattern that we see in the Bible, First of Thessalonians one seven through eight, and so you have become a model to all the believers of Macedonia and Achaia. the word, The Lord's message rang out from not the Lord's message rang out from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia for your faith in God has become known. Everywhere. These Thessalonian believers evangelize and their faith in God has become known everywhere. Do you see evangelism in that? Unless, remember the woman of the well? Christ comes to her, reveals to her who he is. What does she do? Runs back and tells her whole village of who that man was. But she does it with excitement too. That's the pattern that we see In the Bible, that when people are saved, the first thing that they do is they go tell others about that Savior. And I hope that you are encouraged as well. Because your Christian life is not some private Christian life. But your Christian life is to be spread. And and you're supposed to invite other people into your life. But also, you're supposed to, with the gospel that you learn, go out... And share it with others. You invite, you go out, you share the gospel, they come in. And this has always been the way of, of God. This has always been God's way of doing things. God has always reserved for himself a people to spread the glory of his name. Whether that's in the Old Testament or whether that, that's in the New Testament. And we do that both corporately as a church. That's why it's so important when we do Hunger in the Homeless. And we do the Marketplace. And when we do... Um, Puppets in the Park, that we, that you guys come out and we collectively and corporately as a body go out and share the gospel. But also it's important that you privately in your own workforce or whether you're with your family or friends, share the gospel. God tends, God always does big things through the means of little people and the sharing of the gospel. So don't ever think that it's not your duty to share the gospel. It's commanded. And it's funny how we will do other commands, such as do not judge, or we'll love our neighbor. But when it comes to the commandment of going to make disciples, uh, that's something that we just leave off to the side. And we can't do that with God's commandments. Uh, no commandment is, is far exceeds the other and especially when it comes to the gospel. Now, now let's look at an excuse that that some people make when it comes to evangelism. Um, We can say that this is a wrong response to evangelism, and we find that response in the person of Moses. So, first we gave the commandment of evangelism, and people will say, yeah, okay, let's do that. But then... What I've seen, and from my own life, I tend to make excuses of why I shouldn't evangelize. And if that's you, then don't be too hard on yourself, because there's another person in the Bible that made excuses when it comes to God's commands. And we find that in in Moses. Let me give you a a brief summary. Uh, In Exodus 1, the Bible tells us how Pharaoh is oppressing the people of Israel. Uh, it says that Pharaoh afflicted them with heavy burdens. says that Pharaoh made them work as slaves, leading up to Pharaoh sending a decree that every Hebrew boy shall be cast into the sea and, and ultimately they should drown and die. Chapter 2 tells the story of Moses. Remember, he was cast into the river until the daughter of Pharaoh found him. Uh, fast forward a little bit. Moses grows up. He sees an Egyptian that's treated wrongly. What does he do? He kills the Egyptian. Rightfully, and he flees to Midian. God, in chapter 3, speaks to Moses through a burning bush. Tells Moses about the affliction of his people. And he appoints Moses to carry out his mission of bringing out the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt into the land of milk and honey. So this is what's happening right now in the book of Exodus. And if you want to, if you want to follow along, Exodus 3. God is telling Moses in Exodus 3. He begins to tell Moses some very, very good news. Some exciting news. He points Moses to carry out his mission of bringing the people out of Israel. He has heard the cry of his people. He knows their sufferings. And it's time for the children of Israel to be brought out of the bondage of Egypt. He's also sending Moses to make an announcement of that good news. Not only to the people of Israel, but to Pharaoh. And if you were Moses at that time, if God came to you through the means of a burning bush, and he gave you a command, what would you do? If he gave you the command to go and make an announcement, some good news, What would you do? Don't say you would do it, though, because 80% of us don't follow the command of sharing the gospel. You see how Moses is similar to us in some ways? The first thing you would say is what Moses would say in verse 11 of chapter 3. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children out of Egypt? So Moses questions who he is. Moses then expanded on his, in his uh, inabilities in chapter 4, verse 10. But Moses said to the Lord, O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither in past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Moses' response is often our response when it comes to sharing the gospel to unbelievers. We, like Moses, start with the question of who am I? Or better yet, why me? Why should I be the one to go out and share the gospel? I know it's commanded, but but me personally. There's limitations to me. I'm not a great speaker. I'm not a great communicator. Uh, Some of you might have low self-esteem when it comes to talking to others. Some of you can't carry on a conversation pretty well. Moses asked this question because... He thought the mission to bring the people out of Egypt should be reserved for people who are qualified for that position. Similar to us. We think that sharing the gospel is only qualified for people who know what they're doing. That was my thinking. Or people who are simply capable of not messing things up. A lot of times, especially in the beginning when I would share the gospel, I would get stuck so many times. People would ask me questions, and I wouldn't know the answers, or I would start with God, and then I just wouldn't know where to go. This is our thinking as well. We ask ourselves, who am I that I should share the gospel? And like Moses, we feel unworthy of such a call. And that's something in my Christian life I have struggled with. Why do I have to be the one to share my faith? What is it about me that makes God think that I'm more than capable of even going out and and spreading his good news and like Moses we follow that up with our limitations remember in verse 10 I'm not eloquent neither in past or or since you have spoken to your servant by slow speech and of tongue and how often is that our excuse for not sharing the gospel when asked the question of who should evangelize our limitations is what cause us to say well that person should or that person should But not me. Or some of you might genuinely want to share the gospel and evangelize, but in order to do that, in order to get to a place to even say, okay, I'm going to go. You have to tear down all of these walls and mountains that you have built up because uh, I stutter or I can't do this or I can't do that. Some of us have made the excuse that evangelism is not their calling. That evangelism should be left to preachers, missionaries, apologists, and those who have the gift of evangelism. And I know in many reform circles, that's what many people think. Uh, I love those brothers, but I strongly disagree with them. If that's what you think, if you think that the professionals should be the only ones that should evangelize, then you have missed one of the main reasons that you have been saved to begin with. Not only does God save his people to glorify himself and display his image, but also to call lost sheep who are of his fold to come to the shepherd. Jesus tells Peter and Andrew in Matthew 4.19, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That statement is not limited to only the 12, but to all Christians, all disciples, all those who follow Christ. We are called to be fishers of men, not stay in the shallow end of the sea and just watch fish swim by. We are to roll up our sleeves and we are to get in there. As Pastor once said, we are not saved just to stay on the sidelines. We are saved to get in the game and get a few tackles. The call to evangelize is not limited to those who possess certain gifts, but all those who follow Jesus. David Platt says disciple-making is not a call for others to come to us to hear the gospel, but a command for us to go to others to share the gospel. Friends, if the command is to make disciples, if that is our commandment, then the first step of disciple-making is what? Evangelism. We can't get to disciple-making if we don't evangelize, if we don't share the gospel. And many of us treat God's command as a secondary issue, as a secondary suggestion. When Jesus says in Matthew 28, Go and therefore make disciples of all nations, he doesn't say, Peter, well, you're sort of a loud mouth and, and you show some great qualities of being a leader. So you should be the only one to share the gospel. But John, you're more reserved and you're more quiet. Maybe evangelism is not for you. Maybe disciple making is not for you. He doesn't do that. But in spite of their limitations, and if you know anything about the disciples, they were, um, they were a messed up bunch. In spite of what they could not do, he gives them the command to go to all the world, throughout all the world, and proclaim his holy name. Mark Dever says in Second Corinthians five eleven and fourteen, the Apostle Paul writes, Since then we know what is it to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men, Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. He doesn't say, Since we all are apostles we try to persuade men. Or since we have a special gift of evangelism, we try to persuade men. Rather, he writes that because he fears the Lord, he is compelled to share the gospel and the love of Christ. And the same should also be true for every Christian because we fear the Lord and we are compelled to evangelize. If you hate the reality of people going to hell, then you should evangelize. If you want to see lost sinners come to Christ, then you should evangelize. If you have loved ones that aren't saved, you should evangelize. If you believe that God is sovereign in salvation, you should evangelize. Now, that might seem like a contradiction to some because you might say, well, since God is sovereign in salvation, then what use am I? They're going to come anyway. The elect are going to come anyway. But saints, saints, think about this. If God is not sovereign in salvation, then no one's being saved. And the great thing about God being sovereign in salvation is all you have to do is go out and preach the gospel. You don't have to go and act a fool and put on rallies and put on shows. You just give the gospel, and like Spurgeon says, you go home and you go to sleep. But Moses didn't understand that. Moses didn't understand the calling. Moses didn't understand what God wanted him to do. And like Moses... We make excuses. Why me? Why not someone else? And if you think that, then, then Exodus four eleven is is God's response to you. If you think that your limitations is what is what limits you from sharing the gospel, then Exodus four eleven is for you. Then the Lord said to him, Who have made who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Moses, are you questioning my creation? Are you questioning my power? Are you questioning my sovereignty? And when you make excuses on why you shouldn't be the one to evangelize, then you disobey God and you belittle his power and you belittle his creation. Because then you say, well, then God, you created me in a way in which I'm not confident enough to share the gospel. But no, all of those who are chosen, God has created for a purpose. <clears throat> and that is to go and share the good news. <clears throat> Excuse me. Brothers and sisters, believe me. If it wasn't for the confidence that I have in God's sovereignty... But also, if it wasn't the confidence that I have in the Holy Spirit that dwells inside me, then I wouldn't be able to share the gospel at all. And when you say that you shouldn't be the one to share the gospel, that that sharing the gospel is not your gift, that you have limitations, then what are you doing to the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you? You're saying that he's not powerful enough. And you're saying that the Holy Spirit is not strong enough to overcome your limitations, and to overcome where you're weak at. There have been many times when I've gone out and someone has asked me a question, and by God's grace, when that that person was asking me the question, in the middle of it, I was like, man, how am I going to answer this? But I speak, and something just comes out of me, and what can I say? It's just the Holy Spirit. It's not me we have been given the Holy Spirit in order that we will be a witness, like Pastor says. And we will be a light that shines in darkness. We will be a herald to the good news of Jesus Christ. Let us not be like Moses, where we make excuses of why we shouldn't evangelize, but when the time has come, let us be a witness of the Lord. And let us have a response worthy of the call that we have been given. And to that response that we should give, we turn to Isaiah 6. Excuse me. After seeing the amazing splendor and power of the holiness of God, after God had wiped Isaiah's sin away and made him pure, God speaks and he says, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Who shall I send and who will go out for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. When asked the question of who should evangelize, our response should be Isaiah's response Me. I will go wherever you called me. I will go and I will be that herald. I will go and I will go and proclaim the gospel to the ends of the earth. Just like Isaiah was so eager to go anywhere and do anything for the Lord, just like Isaiah was so eager to proclaim God's message, just like Isaiah, who once was sinful, now is so eager to be used by God, let's allow let's allow, allow Isaiah's motivation to be our motivation. And I hope this one verse encourages you this evening, that when God says who's going to go, you automatically, immediately say, here I am, I'll go, here I am, send me. And when we go back to our workplace, and when we go do our street evangelism, God, time and time again, in the Holy Scriptures, has given us a promise. You see, in chapter 3 of Exodus, when Moses tells God, "Who who am I, that I should lead the people out of Israel? or lead the people out of Egypt, God in his loving kindness calms Moses. At the height of when Moses was probably the most stressed and the most scared because he just heard of this commandment that he must go, what does God say? I will be with you. What comfort is that? I will be with you. And we've heard this before. Jesus gives us the same ease and comfort as well. After he's given the commission to his disciples, what does he say at the end? And behold, I am always with you to the end of the age. I was talking with Pastor yesterday, and he pointed out that evangelism is a a two-way street, so to speak. Because evangelism has two benefits. The first benefit is who we are evangelizing to. But the other benefit is for us. We receive the benefits of evangelism. And I don't know if any of you have ever thought on those terms before. I think many of us think of evangelism as we're going to go out and we're going to help other people. But evangelism is also helping ourselves and our Christian walk as well. And let me me give you a couple of of ways evangelism benefits us as followers of Christ. Uh, Number one, through evangelism, the Holy Spirit sanctifies you. And there's nothing more selfless that we can do other than evangelize. In evangelism, we, did not, we, do, we deny ourselves, we obey God, we serve others, and those are some great marks that the Holy Spirit is sanctifying you to. There's been many times when I didn't want to go to evangelize, but after I'm done, I feel so much better than I did. It was so worth it. Even if just me just going out and praying when other people are there, it's so worth it. Number two, evangelism deepens our understanding of Scripture. If we are to evangelize, we must know our word, such as God's character, His holiness, His wrath, man's creation, and God's image, sin, grace, the cross, God's judgment. And we have to think through these things. These concepts, and we have to explain these concepts to different people in different circumstances. The more we understand scripture, the more we will want to teach people about scripture. And what is that? That's evangelism. That's going out and that's sharing. Number three, evangelism grows our love for God and our love for our neighbor, as you know. When we evangelize, we do it out of a love for God. We understand that God didn't have to save a wretch like me, but in his loving kindness, he did. And the one way we express that love back to God is by obeying God and going out and sharing. And that is the gospel. But, but also, that can be your testimony as well. That can be uh, the sub-part of, of the gospel. You say, hey, this is the gospel, and let me tell you what God did for me. There's nothing wrong with that. And God teaches us how to love people. Um, one of my brothers was telling I was telling him, what are you studying? He said, well, I'm studying apologetics. And I told him, brother, what you should do is you should first learn how to love people. Learn how to love people first, and then that will get you fired up to share the gospel. And then when they ask you a question, that's when your apologetics kicks in. <clears throat> Um, This is a good one that I got from the 9 Marks website, Marks Devers' website. If you've never been there, I encourage you to go on there. Evangelism prompts unexpected questions and objections from non-Christians, which can deepen our faith. Let me say that again. Evangelism prompts unexpected questions and objections from non-Christians, which can deepen our faith. Meaning this. If you go out to evangelize, and let's say someone, maybe a Muslim, talks to you about why... I ask you a question on why you can't trust the Bible, and you don't have the answer, that's totally fine. You go back, and you read some articles, you watch some debates, you read some books, you find that answer. And then when that question is brought to you again, then you are more than, than able to answer those questions. Now, that does two things. One is, it strengthens your faith. And number two is, whatever question they're asking you, it strengthens your faith such as when people ask me about the Bible, man, I know that the Bible is so trustworthy because what I have done, I have gone back and I have done the research. So evangelism can do that for you. The confidence in knowing what you believe and why you believe it. And, and lastly, what amazing privilege it is <clears throat> that we have to be a part of lost sheep coming to the shepherd. I think that's That's the main one, that we are a part of God's redemptive plan. And I don't know if any of you have ever thought on that lines, that you can be a part of someone else's story. That's an amazing, an amazing thing. It never seems to amaze me how God can use earthly, broken, human clay to be instruments of his word. We get to be a part of someone coming to Christ and finding him to be his perfect Savior. And that's a wonderful benefit. So I want to leave you with two verses, the same verses that we opened with. Romans 10, 14 14 through 15. How are they calling him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? You are the product of someone preaching. You are the product of someone gospeling. You are the product of someone evangelizing. You are the product of someone who obeyed God, someone who loved God, and someone who loved people. And because of that great love he had, whoever it was that came into your life, that person loved you enough to tell you that you are a great sinner, but Jesus is a greater Savior. And we'll end with verse 15. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your people. I pray that, that, that some of that made sense and, and some of that hit someone that, that they will be encouraged to go out and that they will share the gospel to a lost and dying world. In your son's name we pray. Amen.